Welcome to Fireside Breakdowns. I'm John. I'm Robin. And I'm Savannah. Together, we research and break down complex and even controversial topics facing our society. We always aim to bring you honest analysis backed by research to skew our bias towards what can be factually supported and to make it clear when we're giving our opinion versus speaking about actual research. We're human. We have blind spots and biases, and they will show through. However, our goal isn't to convince you to see things our way. We want to build a foundational understanding of these complicated topics so that we can address them together. We talk about some pretty heavy stuff on this show, and we tackle topics that might feel polarizing. But we do that because we have an important goal in mind. We want to change the way that people have hard conversations. And we think that we can do that using research and discussion to create common understanding. And since you're here, we hope you want the same thing. So we suggest getting comfortable and maybe having a good drink on hand as we work through this stuff. Welcome to our fireside. not a lawyer, but I do look very intimidating in a suit, and I will gladly show up and accomplish probably nothing on your behalf. You just want to meet Slash. <laughs> I mean... I mean... <laughs> wouldn't say no. Would not say hey, no. Hey, Mr. Slash, sir, it's a real honor to meet you. Thanks for uh, putting my friend in the poorhouse for the rest of her mortal <laughs> life, but this has been a true honor this for me. super worth it for one sentence from one yeah. song that you wrote. <laughs> yeah. Can you please sign this piece of scrap paper that I have in my pocket because I forgot to plan. Um, no, still not talking about this. God, we are. Since I don't have like a time frame, and 47 seconds I don't have a time frame, so I'm going to let you guys as ADHD just go off the rails. I have. No, don't. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Y'all are the ones that have to go to bed listen. before me. So. Some, well, no, somebody gets in trouble for doing that, so we're going to not do that. Well, then let's talk about toxic masculinity. No. Fuck you. No, wait. Um, Example yes. number one. Nailed it. God, I'm such a good actor. Did you see Are that? Are you acting? Boom, dedicated. Yeah. I've never said such coarse things to you. To my face. All right. So we are going to talk about toxic masculinity today. What it is, who it impacts, and our views and opinions about it, including our biases. So... Uh, we yeah, should point is... out at this point that this is an unscripted episode, so there's not show notes, there's not a lot of research, there's really um, moderately informed opinions, is what you're getting from us today. Mm. If and... you want us to take a research-heavy approach to discussing this topic, just let us know, we'll gladly yeah. do it. Um, but I mean, who are we uh, kidding? We're is... absolutely going to do it at some point, but... Yeah, but uh, this was one of those episodes where... Um, I think Robin and I have teased talking about it for, um, like since our first episode or generally yeah. in that area. Um, and Savannah was like, stop chickening out and do it. And we're like, God, why did we add you? You make us face our fears. Yes. You're welcome. And so here we are. Yeah. So I guess the most important thing is to set a, uh, a working definition of what toxic masculinity is because there doesn't really seem to be, um, I would say agreement uh, yeah. about this particular topic. I know in my own personal life, I have many friends, most of them male, a couple of them not, uh, who believe that toxic masculinity is this like statement that says that all masculinity is toxic. Right. As in, yeah, like, yeah. So, um, as we've I, we've also managed managed to discuss this part before a couple of times. No, <laughs> no, no. Toxic, toxic masculinity does not mean that all masculinity is toxic. Nobody here believes that. No. Um, I like masculinity. Something is downright delightful. <laughs> I mean, I have been known to appreciate um, some manly men doing manly stuff in my day yeah, as well masculinity it can um, be done very well and it is delightful yeah mm -hmm. like that scene where captain america grabs a stump and rips it in half with his bare hands i'm not really a cap gal i don't I'm care a, i was still I'm hot a thor gal 
but okay that scene where thor does anything with his bare yeah, hands that's fair and that's yeah. some hot masculine shit that's right there accurate picky <laughs> either one listen <laughs> you would do this for the team i'm sure try them both tell us oh I, it, yeah we'll that's an official official uh, rendering of judgment uh, it's the witcher he beats out all but okay well we okay, weren't gonna well, go there because we were talking marvel listen i have to compete with mr cavill there is no competition uh, john and i'm not even that sorry is, about that, that. Is a thing my wife is is in love with that man and uh, yeah, luckily he is unaware of her existence so anyway yeah. back to toxic masculinity Instead of just hot dudes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I could, could do that for yeah, a while. Oh, I mean, yeah, we could definitely do an hour on this one. Uh, but yeah, how about the real topic at hand? This, this topic is very important to me as someone who is raising a boy and as mm-hmm. someone who is works with mostly men and has uh, since, you know, I was 17, uh, being around the Department of Defense. I have seen toxic masculinity at its worst. I have experienced a lot of it. I have internalized a lot of it. Um, So I am excited about this topic. All right. So I have some examples of toxic masculinity. Um, When we, when you're in public and you see a mother or a father with a child, uh, a little boy, and he's crying and the parent says something to the extent of uh, don't be a baby um, don't, boys aren't supposed to cry, man up, um, like pretty much tamping down the, the, the idea that men and boys are allowed to have emotions, um, is a prime example of toxic masculinity. The idea that men are not allowed to express any, any emotion besides anger because only anger is masculine. Um, Mm -hmm. that is toxic masculinity in my mind from what I've seen through world osmosis. So that's an example. Do you you have one, Robin? Uh, Well, I found the New York Times in the New York Times article that we were looking at earlier. uh, Their definition of toxic masculinity is in part suppressing emotions or masking distress, maintaining an appearance of hardness, violence as an indicator of power. Mm -hmm. Um, and anything other being tough all the time. And then anything other than that makes you feminine or weak. That is the, uh, the gist of it. Which makes me think of culturally Betty White's, um, phrase. Why do people say grow some balls? Balls are weak and sensitive. If you really want to get tough, grow a vagina. Those things can really take a pounding. (laughs) When we, (laughs) when we tell boys that they are not allowed to have emotions, they, they tamp them down to, and it's it's rough. Um, it comes out as anger and a force of nature instead of being calm or kind or anything like that. Because then you're considered a pussy. Yeah. Um, John, do you have any experiences yeah. with toxic masculinity yourself as a man? No. Listen. <laughs> as a guy who did theater all through high school and then got a degree <laughs> in it in college... And enjoyed singing and playing piano and dancing. Uh, no, of course, I never experienced any <laughs> toxic masculinity in my life. I'm sure. Uh, because, you know, I was such a pinnacle of the masculine man. Especially growing up in southwest Missouri, which is known for its open and mm-hmm. uh, broad-thinking male population um, that definitely aren't afraid of anything that carries even the faintest whiff uh, femininity. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I had a few things, a few, a few encounters with this growing up in my life. You may have guessed. Um, I was, I was called gay as if it were an insult, uh, basically from mm, late elementary school all the way through, uh, senior year of high school. Mercifully it stopped after that, but that's largely because, I then just went to get a degree in theater, which means I was around other people who were also (laughs) insulted similarly. um, So they didn't tend to throw that particular uh, phrase around. So I guess I was. Go ahead. Oftentimes uh, 
told that I was uh, I was soft or weak or otherwise um, not uh, not a man in in so many words, um, and especially because like I, I was and am and continue to be a emotional person emotional person by nature, and um, I struggled with that for a very long time intentionally tried to kill any empathetic response out of me. Um, never like I would never let myself cry. I would never let myself feel an emotion that would allow me to cry, which sounds crazy. Um, but this is sort of a, a, a reinforced behavior in, in men. Uh, and it's, it's brought on by other men, that sort of peer pressure. And, uh, you, you get to a point where, you can feel the, the trigger bringing on this emotion that's not anger and therefore it is not acceptable or, or outright joy, but not too happy. You can't be too happy because that's also feminine. You can right. laugh in a manly fashion. Um, these are all lessons that I've learned. But if you like dare to giggle, uh, which is a thing men do, it's a thing that everybody does, um, or heaven forbid, if you shriek in excitement <laughs> and your and your yell is too loud right like all of these things are are you, there's like a, a silent grid tally system and they all just get checked off against you and you can feel it happening um so yeah no i've had a couple encounters so it's not just a suppression of emotion it's also um the types of activities that men are allowed to be in without being considered mm -hmm. effeminate so like mm -hmm. theater or drama or art or anything like that, they get their quote unquote man card taken away, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But super dumb. Yeah. I mean, I think, John, you were going to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to agree. It's it's also strange that um, there is this. Uh, this plays into a large part of why toxic masculinity is a problem, but there's a greater uh, weight placed on how other males perceive you and your manliness than, um, than women at all. So the opinion of, of your male peers, again, in my experience, becomes way more important than anything any woman could ever say about you, which is so weird it's so bass backwards if you will because the whole point of this is that you're manly and virile and therefore right can get any woman that you want as one result of that and take down any man that you want violently not romantically mm. um and and uh the the payoff or the trade-off is that like you're only doing this as a performance for other men. I can think of nothing more. Uh, I can think of nothing less manly. I think, in my estimation, less secure. It's not even manly, but less like um, secure in your sense of confident self, yeah. than judging yourself based on the opinions of other dudes. Yeah, or other people in general. And, and that's just the weird hypocrisy of this whole thing is like you live your whole life so insecure about who you are that um, you don't even realize how weak of a stance that is. You're just living in fear of other people and what they might think of things that bring you joy and happiness. Like, Well, I think um, something that I've noticed probably in the past 10 years is the wave of uh, modern stoicism that's been adapted by many of the the instagram heavy mm -hmm. bullshit people um <laughs> where it's that idea of like you know don't allow your emotions to overcome you stand in the river and let everything wash past you do not be affected by anything i don't know if y'all have like studied um the A modern yeah the modern stoicism yeah. i am like yeah don't get swept up and then I get swept up at least like once a day. So, um, <laughs> well, what? I, I, as somebody who like tends more naturally, not na I shouldn't say naturally, as someone who tends toward the most stoic side as a result of many of my early experiences, 
I can both see the benefits and the negatives of that whole modern Stoic movement. I think that there are a lot of people uh, who come from situations that are, are vastly different to where I came from that could benefit from being a little more Stoic uh, because their lives are ruled by their emotions and there's no there's no critical thinking about how I'm feeling in this moment. It is all how I'm feeling in this moment. Uh, but I think that when we are raising children, we have to train them to the idea that there is a wide range of emotions that they will experience and yes. that they have to learn how to interact with those. Yes. Um, anger is not bad. That is something I try to to tell my my child. Anger is not bad. Sadness is not bad. Crying is not bad. But Mm-mm. it's what we do with these emotions that matter. And right. so um, I have seen a lot of boys and as they turn into teenagers and later father them, fathers themselves, they do not have that interaction with their emotions. They are completely shut off from these other things. Um, they don't know how to speak to them. They don't know how that because it's just to them anger is bad and therefore it is attractive because that's where all the power lies. Um, mm-hmm. And sadness is bad. So we don't do that. We only show anger. Um, yeah. So, but I've noticed with the modern stoicism, um, I have experienced more negative um, toxic masculinity come from that because there, there were just men that would use that as an excuse for not engaging any of their so-called negative emotions. And that's a, a frustration I've had with this idea of the, the stoic male uh, anyway, like even even people who aren't modern stoics they just claim to be stoic in general they they don't know what stoicism is they project what they think it is onto it and then try to emulate a an an incredibly harmful uh (laughs) mentality and coping process and like stoicism at its core isn't about not feeling it's not about not showing your emotions Mm -hmm. it's about not letting your emotions dominate your actions and your behavior yeah but you still like an important point of it is that you still feel it yes you allow yourself to feel it and then you move on it's about healthy processing of those emotions and not holding on to them Mm -hmm. and that's that's where there's this huge divergence in this sort of manly mentality quote unquote is that you don't even process your emotions you block them Mm -hmm. and you suppress them and you move on with your life but at the same time you've never dealt with those things right and so they're always weighing you down in one way or another marcus aurelius who is like the father of stoicism um would speak about the emotions that he had the overwhelming sadness that he had with certain things and so like he was very in touch with his negative emotions but he wouldn't yeah be overcome by them um and i think there's a a good balance but somehow along the way in our society it's gotten convoluted and put upon by modern society um with this suppress everything but anger i think it's a it's a part of that effort that we have to dichotomize things right Men feel none of the feelings. Women feel all of the feelings. And if you're a woman who doesn't feel all of the feelings, then you are not fully in touch with your femininity. And if you're a man that feels any of your feelings, you're not masculine enough. Yes. There's the idea of masculine and feminine energies. I just started in the past couple of years getting more into and knowledgeable about and the idea that we all have a little bit of masculine and feminine in each of us um, and energies are not uh, uh, binary at all. We all experience yeah. a little bit of male, a little bit of female, and um, there is great power that comes from both. Uh, there's power of embracing your own emotions, and there's power and assertiveness and strength. And anyway, so, um, and it seems like we have lost that as a, a culture, the idea that we can meld together energies from masculine and feminine. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not even bringing in non-binary or, you know, uh, people who feel neither. Um, So, 
Yeah. Well, and that problem, that that false dichotomy, um, li- quite literally, um, that's part of the the overall issues with with toxic masculinity is that um, that false dichotomy dichotomy is what informs the sort of uh, inherent sexism we see in a lot of these groups who who want to be masculine and mm-hmm. want to exhibit that because if you are mentally upholding masculinity as the end goal, then that is what is desirable. And femininity, therefore, is undesirable. And the natural extension of those thoughts, as as you touched on, is that masculinity is good and femininity is bad. The problem is it doesn't stop with the self. It gets projected across the entire human race. And not only is femininity bad, but women are therefore weak and incapable. And anytime they attempt something, they deserve to be mocked when they fail. Uh, And anytime they succeed at something, it is in spite of their femininity and not because of it. But it had also better not be too in spite of their femininity. It had better not cross over into masculinity because then you also have to take down any woman who achieves something that would consider like otherwise be considered masculine. Right. Well, we saw this again. I don't like to keep talking about you look like a man and women in strength sports. What we saw, there was a perfect example of this. There was a woman who exhibited characteristics that society likes to call masculine in her strength and in her, the shape of her actual body and her genetics. And she accomplished amazing things. But those were too masculine, right? You had a whole community of men in that space who were like, nope, you're too much like a dude. And in my in my opinion, you're coming for our, you're coming for us. We're, we're threatened by this. But so you had all of those men who glommed on to that and all of the hyper feminine women in strength sports who are doing their best to maintain that ideal picture of a sexy woman while also let's be honest, cycling trend and trying to get the highest lifts that they possibly can without sacrificing their waist to hip ratio who were also coming for Jess and saying, well, you're not feminine enough. And the dudes were saying, you're too masculine and you can't exist in this space because we don't know what to do with you. You don't fit into our dichotomy. I was going to speak about my experience in the most misogynistic group uh, probably in the world, um, the United States military, and the idea that... <laughs> how dare I say that? Le um, gasp. Not, no, I'm shook like, like contextualize that not just the United States military. Right, it's not the Marine, the Marine Corps. Corps, which is right the the most hyper masculine branch of the United States military. Yes, as of I think the last study I looked at, 2018, eight um, percent were women. Um, in enlisted were, I don't know, probably down to four percent. I don't want to give like the wrong numbers, but that had even. Re- even increased since I was in back in from 2007 to 2012. So yes, being surrounded by men. Um, I was one woman on a, a base uh, with one other woman. So we were talking hundreds and hundreds of men and then two women. And that did not go well. Um, but no, the idea of like it being a woman uh, surrounded by these men, I could not be feminine myself i could not exude any sort of femininity not only because i'd be a whore but because um it was considered weak and so i think another aspect of toxic masculinity is the tamping down of females around you because femininity is bad so um there's the aspect that men cannot be gentle but also that women must be if if they are considered gentle or kind or operate differently, then they are weak. And that doesn't get you very far when you are surrounded by men because they will take advantage. Well, they'll not just take advantage. And, they and they will like, I mean, I could rant about this for a while, but um, if I was ever promoted, it wasn't because I was doing a great job. It was because I was a woman. If I was ever, um, if I... I almost injured myself pretty harshly because I was trying to keep up with men that had been trained properly and I hadn't been, but I wasn't about to be seen as a weak woman and ask for help, which is another part of toxic Mm -hmm. masculinity is you cannot ask for help. 
um, right. men are not supposed to ask for help. So I spent five years trying to act like a man and then spent probably about four years after the Marine Corps to try to stop acting like a man and um, stop uh, stop internalizing all the toxic masculinity of like it, before if a guy cried. I would immediately be turned off. Like, this is weird. Like, why are you acting weak? Like, that was, that would be my immediate response. Um, that has since changed. And now men who are incapable of crying freak me out. And I, I think that there's, like, I can't trust them that way. Um, but, yeah, so I spent, like, years trying to untangle myself from the misogynistic views that I had internalized about men and what I thought masculinity was because masculinity to me was anger and hate and cruelty and all of the bad things. Um, and I was trying to exude as much masculinity as I could. So I became a lot of that. Um, and I don't want my child to be like that, which is why I try to focus on his ability to cry and, uh, process his sadness and be able to speak about those kinds of things. So, well, yeah, um, and that hits on uh, another aspect that I was wanting to talk about um, is that uh, toxic toxic masculinity in our in our culture it's it's uh, exclusionary and alienating in a lot of ways. Um, on an individual level, it makes men, especially, mm -hmm. uh, but anybody who is trapped uh, in its influence, such as your yourself, Savannah, it makes you less human mm -hmm. because. Feelings, whether you want to admit it or not, are human. It is, in fact, one of the things that I think makes us God, human. I hate it. Can I unsubscribe? No, because then you would be I also hate weird. feelings. I also hate feelings. Too bad. No, actually, them. I only hate negative feelings. Oh. I don't, I don't I hate say, the positive yeah. ones. I like all the good ones. I just... and But that that but is different. That's part of the human experience, right? We are uniquely i would say wired to feel and express emotions and if you are constantly fighting that and only allowing one type of emotion through which isn't always <laughs> anger which is what the the, right. the defenders of masculinity who hear toxic right. masculinity and get their dander up will say they'll say uh it's protectiveness and it's uh um you know taking pride in your work and it's like well yeah but like pride anger protective this these are all egocentric things that make you feel good mm -hmm. and you are still automatically putting anything that doesn't feel good to the ego like humility like sadness I feel very called out right now uh, <laughs> In, in the dumpster. Well, some of us have internalized these toxic traits more than others, Savannah. Well, okay, is, so Savannah, this something... This is a safe space for yeah. you to express that. I think that there's a really, uh, there's a marked yeah, difference between people who have experienced an overload of negative emotions in their early years and are then conditioned to try to avoid those because they understand how painful they are and people who are conditioned to avoid them because they are inherently bad. Right. So like you and I probably practice a significant amount of avoidance when it comes to negative emotions. It's understandable because our backgrounds lead us that way. We can experience them. We can process them if we have to, but we don't seek them out. Right. I we had a conversation the other night at dinner. I don't watch movies that make me cry. Mm -hmm. I don't do it because I life is sad enough. I don't need to cry over something that is fake. <laughs> um, yeah i want to laugh i but, can just look at my own but, life is fake but the emotions are real Robin. no the emotions are real and i like part of the reason that i don't engage with that stuff is because they are real because if they if they make me cry they've hit on something that is hurtful and painful to me that i really don't want to spend time reflecting on uh from my past so there's a difference between that and then raising your children to believe that negative emotions or, or that, that certain kinds of emotions are inherently bad or inherently not for them, the way that people raise their sons and, and also their daughters, but we're talking about masculinity here. They raise their sons to believe that anything soft is bad. Yeah. And that's, that's a big difference. 
I wonder if um, it is, I mean, y'all grew up in the Midwest, so I wonder if y'all's experience with seeing your classmates and how they handle things is different than mine in the South and like experiencing seeing, yeah, men, no boys ever allowed to cry. Never. I didn't see a man cry. Oh my God. I, years, like maybe in my twenties was when I first saw a man cry. Um, and like I said, it, it made me very uncomfortable. I didn't know how to handle it. Um, so it's men crying is not a thing that I was ever exposed to. Um, so I don't know. Did y'all well, see anything like that growing up? Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Robin. Um, so Robin and I have this joke that we're not from the Midwest, really. We're from the mid south. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is like we're we're Springfield, Missouri is pretty far south when it uh, culturally mm-hmm. like I know what biscuits and gravy are. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm sorry, like, I, I know what's so good. That was a are. shocking discovery for me, by the way. Because I did grow up in the up Midwest. Here, hmm. I guess you, yeah. I, Minnesota, I think, is technically considered Midwest. Yeah, um, that's what I was actually going to bring that up. Like, yeah. our experiences may have been different because you yes. were more true Sorry. Midwest than I was. I didn't mean to jump ahead. No, it's fine. It's a conversation. Uh, I will never claim Missouri um, as part of the South. Let's just stick that right It now. is technically well, considered Mid South. We are not considered Midwestern. But it is what it is. I mean, Iowa's Midwestern. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the map is like really weird. We could get into a geography argument, but no one ever lists Missouri when they're talking about southern states. (laughs) It it really depends. Actually, the Mason Dixon line went straight through Missouri. So, yeah, Springfield had a lot of Confederate soldiers. You don't get much more southern than that. Just Um, saying. Okay, so we could go into some detail about how Missouri, how Springfield, Missouri, went from being an African American town to being a uh, predominantly white town. But that's a story for another the time. the last public lynching in U.S. history. Wow, what a great thing to, to have on your... I'm just saying the South and the Southern right. tendencies are very strong in Springfield, Missouri. Yes. So uh, I'm not bragging about that by no, any but, means. But and like, because yeah, of that, so the whole point being... The whole point being that I, too, grew up in a culture where you did not see men cry. I never saw a man cry. I remember seeing my father get teary-eyed when his father died and being like, wow, this is weird, which is not a normal emotion at all. Like, he was very close with his father. It's only natural that he would be sad about that. But even he fought that. Like, it was literally like a tear. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I only saw it once. Um, And I myself stopped crying uh, sometime around, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, unless it was a like incredibly stressful situation. And even then it was only in front of like my mother. She's like the only person who saw me cry from like when I was 12 year old, 12 years old to probably within the last I was couple of years. I to say seen you cry. Yeah. Well, and she's the only person outside of my best friend and my brother who grew up with me uh, in the outer group that has seen me cry. And that's just because I still am not comfortable uh, feeling that emotion in front of other people. Yeah. Uh, I it's And it's it, for the longest time, I literally could not do it. I could not cry. See, that's, that's so damaging to you internally. And But it's, I don't know. See, I, I have different feelings about crying, I think. Really? And a lot of people do. Yeah, I don't feel like there is anything inherently magical about the ability to cry. I think that it is the most vulnerable state that a human being can find themselves in in front of somebody else. Um, And so whether or not a person is able to cry is more a reflection of whether or not they are able to be truly vulnerable. And I've experienced people who can be that vulnerable and still not cry. And so this kind of holy grail of can I force water out of my eyes when I'm feeling particularly emotional, like it it feels like a really arbitrary marker to me other than can I be genuinely and wholly vulnerable with another person, whether or not tears come out of my eyes, whether or not my voice cracks. Well, I think I use it as a marker because – 
the men that I have seen get emotional nowadays do reach that level of to be that genuine, to be that vulnerable. They do end up crying. Um, it is very rare for me to see true vulnerability um, without tears associated with it. But we were just talking about like, you know, toxic masculinity and be suppressing crying. But yeah. yeah. And that, that's where it that's becomes point, toxic. Yeah. That's the point. And that's the point I was going to make is you can be vulnerable and you can be open without crying, but you're never going to cry without being right. fully present and vulnerable. I don't know. I've met like, a sociopath you, that could cry on command and it was weird. Okay. Well, we're okay, talking well, like about normal people. Adjust, well adjusted, like the, quote yeah. unquote, normal people. Let's not get into sociopaths because that's that He was also in Lion Stoic. Right. All right. No, he wasn't. He was a sociopath. Yeah. There's a difference. Um, but like talking about growing up, which, I guess, like I, sorry, I go for it. No, I just wanted to finish that thought before I lose it. It's just that in order to cry, you can't be trying to stay in control. Mm -hmm. Right. Nobody is in control when they're crying. And that's the whole point. You're not you're not holding anything back anymore. Yeah. And that's why I think crying is actually. Uh, uh, cathartic is because you stop fighting and sometimes it is the first step into just accepting the situation mm -hmm. and then being able to process it and move on yeah it's definitely valuable but and i definitely like not everybody has to get there to do that right so. right yeah. How, i just <clears throat> okay, as, sorry. as someone who doesn't cry much um and for whom it is an extreme expression of emotion it like I just, I have different, anyway, I have, it's probably because I grew up in hockey culture. See, that was a great segue. No. So I grew up in Minnesota and, um, boys are, are raised in what I like to call hockey culture. It is that kind of, it's not aggressively masculine, but it was like, there was something different about the boys who didn't play hockey. Right. Like, were they just too soft? Were they afraid? Like what what was it about that? And so it's that idea that you you play a sport that is so aggressive because that's what boys do. And then that kind of countenance carries over into, you know, your everyday life at school and in elementary school and in middle school. And the boys are rough and tumble and the girls sit on the playground and chat like that's kind of how it was. Um, adult men. I did not, uh, I was not exposed to men in a very traditional context. The kind of masculinity that I was exposed to as I was growing up was a particular brand of what I am willing to call toxic, toxic masculinity. And that is um, the, the very traditional, I am a black man, the toxic black man, um, which carries its own set of characteristics and priorities and things you do and things you don't do and ways that you reflect your masculinity. Uh, but it is very much that as well. It is very much toxic. It is just maybe different than what it looks like in the South or in the Mid-South or in white cultures or It seems however. like layered, layered hardship for black men. Yes. And I, I can see that now as a child, of course, obviously you have no concept of that, but I can see that now. And it very much colors my perception of, of black men when I experience them now. But for a very long time, I was the person who would cross the street because of how I experienced that kind of masculinity, because I did not want to be hit on, because I did not want to be spoken to the way that I knew that black men spoke to women. Yeah. Hmm. That in and of itself, I mean, that's a huge intersectional topic, but it, it all like, all I can think of when, when you mentioned that is just how as a culture, we've sort of pigeonholed uh, black men, especially into this hyper aggressive mm -hmm. role right. um, that, that, all black men are inherently aggressive. All black men are inherently criminal. Um, and as, as something that I've had to deal with growing up is, is that sort of um, instant presumption that a black person is more dangerous 
than mm-hmm. a white person in similar scenarios. Right. Um, because it's very much part of, again, the culture I grew up in. Um, but also that sort of, uh, that myth, and, and, and it is, it's a, it's a myth, um, and it's racism. Yes. Um, that just the color of your skin somehow determines your aggressive tendencies. Anything about right? your it's personality. All, it's all Anything about your personality, honestly. Yeah. Exactly. And then when we yeah. layer in those kind of, uh, toxic societal traits of hardness and dominance and sexual aggressiveness and all of that stuff, it just kind of becomes the perfect storm of of difficulty. You know, Malcolm Gladwell has a fantastic book that covers this, and it's Blink. Uh, I don't know if you'll have read it all. Mm-mm. He talks about mm-hmm. the, the split second um, decisions that we make based off of what we surmise about someone's what they look like oh it's a man uh, it's a black man like all the things that go through our mind and how uh, those um, predispositions in ourselves change well how they end up murdering more people he brings in police brutality and everything like that so um but that's fascinating also and it's it's terrible that um well i can think also not just for black men, but um, the machismo of uh, the Mexican culture. Um, yeah. Or not just Mexican, the Hispanic cultures in general. There's machismo and there's the idea that, um, well, every, this is the idea, not that I'm stating this, but that um, Hispanic men all cheat on their wives and they're expected to. Um, so it's hard for all of these different, not just men, but the cultural mm-hmm. um, expectations of each man is, you know, this is something to overcome. I mean, white men, what all the Kyles that punch holes in walls and stuff like that. And it's they it seems like every culture has a flavor of toxic masculinity yeah. that they have to overcome. Yeah. And it just makes the whole conversation much more complicated because we can't address it as a singular as a singular issue. You know, it doesn't have a textbook definition. It doesn't look the same for every man or every woman raising a son or every woman married to a man. Like it it doesn't look the same. And so like everything else that we talk about on this podcast, it requires a nuanced approach. (laughs) No, not. But what I do think that toxic masculinity does that it impacts every man and lovers of men is that. It causes isolation, like John said, and that isolation uh, removes support for men um, because you're not supposed to reach out for support or help. Um, There's it's considered weak. So men are missing like the ability to be vulnerable with other men. So they don't have a way to communicate Mm -hmm. tough conversations with other men that because that's considered weak so you have all these men who are isolated with their own emotions told that their own emotions you know are not good to feel and so what does that leave you it leaves suicides to go through the roof it causes Mm -hmm. depression among men it causes alcoholism to run rampant because men aren't getting human connections because it's considered weak and that is i Mm -hmm. think an epidemic that um, that is rampant among men right now. And- it is. It's one of the one of the weird one of the weird fucked up things that comes out of this toxic masculinity uh, mentality or, and the struggles that we have with it is the the people who insist that it's not a real thing also tend to insist that society doesn't really appreciate a real man anymore, hmm. and therefore. Uh, that is one of the drivers behind uh, higher male suicide rates is because, um, you know, men take on so many more burdens than women do. And therefore, uh, it is only natural that they feel more stressed out, more depressed, all, all of these these negative drivers of suicide. And trying to cr- bridge the gap between, yes, male suicides are high and but it's a self-inflicted problem causes a lot yeah. of 
consternation. I mean, it straight up pisses people off if, when I float that idea that, that this is a self-inflicted wound. Um, and they, it's, it's hard to convince people that that alienation, that lack of being able to connect to another male, um, that lack of, of having deep connections and having emotional moments with another man and not instantly being judged as being gay or weak or feminine or whatever negative, not saying gay is negative, but in the context of this toxic masculinity environment, negative modifier right. that you want to apply to a, to a human being just for having emotions is killing men. And it is because there is this perverse obsession with being masculine while not understanding that you must also be human and it's not one or the other um the last point i wanted to to bring up because we're approaching that that hour mark at this point already um is that um toxic masculinity tends to be an all or nothing uh situation so you can be uh somebody who is traditionally masculine in all the right ways. And I will use myself as an example. Um, I race motorcycles. I lift weights regularly. I'm larger than the average man. Um, I like to chop wood. I like to work in my garden. I like to dig up trees and work on my car. And um, those are I mean, all really awesome things, but that's not manly shit, right? But in the toxic masculine mindset and in, in, in with my fellow male peers, I'm not saying these are like explicitly male traits, right? But these are all things that would give me male cred in that sort of framework. Um, these are things that make me look good. You drink whiskey, you have a beard, you enjoy a fine cigar, all things that make me look pretty manly on the outside. But the fact that I can sing the fact that sometimes my voice gets high pitched um the fact that i don't bury emotional responses all the time um immediately gets me called uh feminine or 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 otherwise having my manliness questioned um it is it is you cannot ever slip up you can't ever 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 be anything but 100 masculine all the yeah, time these which means you never enjoy you're never allowed again to experience the the fullness of humanity but whose definitions of masculinity are we using you are you have or you're naming other men's views of masculinity um i'm not saying anything right. against whiskey or a cigar but my my view of masculinity and Robin, I'd like to hear yours as well. Um, there is something about a man being a father that will make my like masculinity radar shoot through the roof. Something about um, not just father, but more of like the molding and kindness of interacting with small children or those who are weaker than him or those who are less than him. If he can... Um, interact with them well, I feel like that to me is a huge trait of masculinity. Like is, is the reaching out to people who are less or weaker or because men are strength. That is that to me, that is what I see is not like physical strength, but just strength, not saying that they can't cry, but strength is what men um, exude. And that strength also means being able to help out those that are less strong. And when I see men with children, it is just like there's this statue in the Louvre of um, this giant Greek man and he's holding a baby. And it's just like the the best view of masculinity to me. It's not his muscles that are carved in marble. It's not any of that. It's just how he's looking at this child. And so that is to me strength and protecting others kindly. That is masculinity to me. So not cigar and whiskey. What about you, Robin? I mean, I do love whiskey and I love the smell of cigars. <laughs> um, but that has less to do with associating them, I think, with men. 
Um, I, I'm a big fan of, um, BDE, but not in the toxic sense. I feel like the most masculine or most feminine thing that a person can do is be fully confident in who they are. Mm -hmm. Come into a space unapologetic for who you are and the things, uh, about you that you love and if that means you chop wood and also cry at commercials, fuck yes, that's hot. It is. Like I it being fully yourself and in, and in embodying everything about you, I think is the most masculine thing that you can do. Um because like it's it's easy to for those of us who uh fall more in that heterosexual line it's easy to associate masculinity with attractiveness like what am I attracted to um but I think it's that it is that confidence and it's that assertiveness without having to be aggressive and it's being willing to take up your own space without having to take up somebody else's space that's a good one without having to take away from other people to fully occupy the space that you're in that feels the most masculine to me. And I don't care whether that's behind a piano singing jazz music or chopping down wood. Um, I mean, I, I compete in a sport where I routinely find myself next to men who are almost seven feet tall and weigh 400 pounds and they are no more masculine than a man that's competing in the lightweight category. Who's five foot 10 and and like it's just it has nothing to do with those kind of arbitrary characteristics and it has everything to do with how fully you are confident in yourself. Soul expression. I think that's yeah. yeah. I personally agree with both of you. I find both of those to be much more reliable measures of manliness. Uh being nurturing, uh being confident, being present in the moment without worrying about other people. As I said earlier, I could think of nothing less uh, confident than caring about what other people think about you when you're doing something you enjoy. But my point was that it doesn't, and I hate to be, to sound as rude and sexist as this is going to oh, sound, I can't wait. but understand that I am speaking from the, the framework of the toxic masculinity environment that people, men, myself exist in is that your opinion doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You're women. And if I am operating in that toxic masculinity environment, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Then be alone. And I care about what other dudes that's... think. Well, no. And that's because the only people who can, the only people who can make me feel like mm -hmm. I am a man, the only approval that I need as a man mm -hmm is another man's. Yeah. Ooh. And a woman's approval and what a woman finds attractive does not matter right. for getting me out of the patterns of behavior yeah. that are exemplified by toxic masculinity. That is what I'm saying. Yeah. I agree with mm -hmm. both of you. I wish we lived in a world where that were the case, but no man is who is trapped in that mentality is going to prioritize what a woman finds attractive, what a woman finds masculine, excuse me, don't mean to substitute one for the other, um, for what his male peers tell him right. is masculine. Well, thinking Which is that's inherent to the toxic part of this mm -hmm. is that women's yeah. opinions don't matter. Yeah. Thinking point, and this is something I've thought about interacting with the men that have had these problems. And um, I wonder if there's a, correlation and causation with the amount of male figures that are not present in boys lives to where they are seeking approval from a man that doesn't exist be it their father be it their grandfather um is there something possible there you just said like another man is the only one that can give you that approval or or is everyone having daddy issues i mean maybe I, I don't know if there's been a long-term trend or study on that, but I know that, um, like I grew up, like I only spent, luckily I only spent four years of my life without 
uh, a, a father figure present. And even then, I had a biological father that I did see. Um, and I had a grandfather that I literally lived within walking distance from that I saw all the time. And I had his approval. And I still found myself falling into yeah. these traps because it's, it's so much more than that. Like, well, I'm thinking about people who are not able to break out of it. Like you are clearly not, um, I'm not saying you're not impacted by toxic masculinity, not at all, but you're not the one that's turning it into, um, oppression of others, which is how some, it ends up being in other people. So I'm wondering if like the, the other end where it's like incels and that kind of toxic masculinity, it starts sliding into the far right Maybe it's just a it's just a I, thinking I, point of like I, there seems to be a connection there from my conversations with people um, that has not been studied whatsoever. But there is, yeah. I mean, it's it it's is, it's certainly worth looking yeah. into. I have to say, like but, in my experience, I've seen, I feel like I've seen equal amounts in men who grew up with stable father figures in conservative traditional households and men who grew up without father figures. I think a lot of it at least in my perception, has to do with that inherent dichotomization between what is male and what is female, what is masculine and what is feminine, Mm -hmm. and the two needing to run as far from each other as possible. And we just end up in this downward spiral. And and just a point on that, there, there will never be any amount of approval that a man will receive that will break him out of those toxic mindsets. He could, he could, he could literally win the award for manliness voted on by every man in the world unanimously. And he would still, still, if he were subject to those toxic traits, exhibit those toxic traits because he would still be concerned about the perception of his peers and the pressure that that puts on him. Mm-hmm. I did not get the approval of, of you know, a particular male figure and suddenly go, oh, thank God. I don't give a shit what other guys think about me anymore. Whew. Like, it's a daily struggle still to this day as somebody who is aware of how this has impacted my life and how damaging it was. It's a daily struggle for me to go, no, that's not a healthy mentality. That knee-jerk reaction isn't good and and you need to not do that you need to not play into that and i fail constantly i feel constantly i'm not going to pretend like i'm perfect i didn't wear a jacket the other day because i was worried what other people would think about it because it was a little brighter than my usual choice of jackets it was a khaki raincoat (laughs) and i was still just like that's a little much john why don't you why don't you calm the fuck down right so like you rock that it's 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 a I'm going to wear it the next time it do rains it. too because I was looking forward to it for so long. And then I pictures or it didn't it. happen. Oh, there will be pictures. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it also boils down to um, that toxic masculinity is modeled for us in almost every aspect of our life. Like moving, like from the moment that we are aware of how society works, it is something that we see all the time. And this is an example I see brought up as like um, a, a, a how society is projecting unrealistic expectations upon men and then that's a source for toxic masculinity. Um, and it's usually brought up as a dichotomy towards uh, these conversations about the unrealistic expectations we have for women and young, young girls in society, especially mm-hmm. with regards to like Instagram or airbrushing models or something like that. People will be like, you know, Barbie presents unrealistic expectations expectations for men or the way women are drawn in comics um, uh, presents unrealistic expectations for women. Excuse me. I said men earlier for women, right? This is, if this is objectification of women, which is a whole other tangentially related topic, you know, what about uh, He-Man, right? And it'll show a picture of He-Man or Batman or Superman Mm -hmm. or all of these like stacked and jacked male figures um, as if these are somehow equivalent And there's no consideration for the fact that He-Man and Batman and Superman and all of these superhero figures are all drawn by men for men. Yeah. 
women aren't objectifying men by making those objects. Men are. Yeah. It's just it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But yeah, we we are running up against that wall. So that's that's uh obviously we could go on about this for hours and maybe it'll be the topic for a uh for a a group meeting we have with all of our patrons. <gasps> yes, yes. Speaking of if you want to be a patron of the Fireside Breakdown podcast, um please check us out at Help me out. I don't know the Fireside you, I was Breakdown. like, who are you pointing at? <laughs> Either one. Com. I don't know. I don't know the the social. Um, I don't know. It's very difficult. Firesidebreakdowns.com. Yeah. Um, we did get that. We well, I don't know if the Patreon is located there. there or if it's the link to the Patreon. There is a button right up in the that corner of our website that says support Excellent us. Excellent question. That's right there. Yep. Yep. You can find the support us button and it takes us right to our, uh, takes you right to our Patreon. And also find all of our social media links, all of our episodes with show notes. Reminder, there will be very sparse show notes for this particular episode since we're all just talking out of our butts. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think we have good news for this one, even if those looks of panic communicate to me I, otherwise. I mean, I have some good news, but are we doing all personal good news? Good news? Um, Oh, no. This, uh, this oh, no. Mine's not personal. It's just like good news. Good news. OK, y'all go ahead. I wonder what your good news is. Should we well, double good my news? My good news is we could. It's our show. We can do whatever we All want. Right. Um, I mean, my good news is that the uh, the uh, proceedings for uh, the nomination of uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson yes. um, are proceeding apace. It looks very good for yep. her nomination. I've been watching them off and on as I can at work. And uh, she is the very image of professionalism oh, and uh, collected responses, especially in the face of incredibly misleading and uh, intentionally, uh, let's say, falsified Ugh, yeah, attacks on her by none other than our favorite senator from Missouri, Josh Hawley. It's the fucking mm. word. May yeah, the I actually never watched that clip on, right before we recorded. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, definitely much advantage was taken today of the fact that she will get to do all of her responding tomorrow. Uh, the senators were setting up some great news clips today, and I saw quite a few of them circulating. But she is the, like you said, the pinnacle of professionalism. And I'm so excited to hear her responses and to hear her get to express herself a little bit more. That's all the good news I have. I'm just very excited for her. I'm very excited. Uh, mine is kind of tangential um, because I noticed that Judge Jackson had her hair styled in dreadlocks today at her uh, her confirmation hearing. And so my good news is that the Crown Act on a federal level has passed through the House. Um, if you don't know what that is, that is a piece of legislation that would protect um, people's rights to wear their natural hair in the workplace. Is that not um, a thing still? It, yeah. So oh, I no. I was looking at some comments under the articles talking about it passing the House yesterday, and they were um, many of them centered around the fact that they can't believe we're wasting tax dollars on a thing that cannot possibly uh, be an actual issue. And of course, looking at all of their profile pictures, um, none of their hair would be called into question as unprofessional or unclean or unkempt or um, I'm just not fitting the standard. Whereas a hairstyle like mine or Judge Jackson's can in many places actually get you sent home, dress coded and fired if you refuse to change it. I'm so, just in awe um, that that is even a thing still. Yes, it is a thing still. Yeah. We talked about it, I think, last year. Yeah. A high school wrestler yes. got his hair cut I off. I was thinking yes. in the workplace. I do remember uh, that. Yeah. I. Yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm not sure of the, the complete scope of this legislation, whether or not it would extend to schools, schools um, or outside of the workplace. But that is really, really good news for those of us who, um, who make certain choices with our hair. <laughs> so... Um, 
Although I do not know if it would protect oh. black people or white people with dreadlocks because I don't think it would because it's not a natural. It's focused on um, your ability to present your natural hair in the workplace. So I don't think that it would My extend to white people is. with dreadlocks, but that would be a really interesting. Uh, it's going to be challenged. It's going to be challenged sure. somewhere. My oh my um natural hair is unkempt so uh, that is about. <laughs> this is just naturally how my hair grows. Actually, it's just like the perfect quaff over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have high estimation of my hair. Apparently, um, I would also like to point out one more thing about uh, Judge uh, the Honorable Judge Jackson. Yes. Uh, hearing um they introduced her husband dr jackson in the uh in the very beginning of these these proceedings and um and there was a a brief description of him as as uh the uh, as as judge jackson read her opening statements and the camera was on him the whole time and that man was so proud Aww. yes he was tearing up i love it I Got love me right, it. In the, right in the ticker myself. It was so good to see um, somebody who had who had such pride in their partner, yes. and was not not uh, willing to hide that for anybody. Ugh, I think that I love was it. an incredibly beautiful moment and uh, a great example of how crying can actually be a wonderful expression. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Healthy love, okay. healthy appreciation for your partner, masculine or feminine. Yes. It is. That is sexy. That is That is hot. sexy. Supporting your partner. That's good shit right there. Good shit. Um, anyway, shall we move on with our lives and get back to everybody next week? <laughs> we shall. Any final thoughts, Savannah? No. All right. Well, uh, oh, I done broke my pencil. Um until next week uh thank you all so much for for listening to us um we look very much forward to speaking with you again in one week and until that time please take care of each other